All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. Um, excited to come with you, episode 205. Uh, happy Monday to you. Let's get after it this week. Um, real quick before we get to today's guest, uh, the best way that you can support this show right now, we got no sponsors. Go over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, leave a review. Um, that's what helps me grow the show, get better guests, create better content for you. Um, that's that. Uh, and spiel. You can learn more about me. Uh, add me on LinkedIn at Tom Alemo. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube uh, at Tommy Tahoe. So without anything else, let's get to um, today's guest. We got the millennial spotlight on Macy McGovern. Uh, she is the manager of senior account development over at High Spot up in the great Pacific Northwest of Seattle. Um, and we had a great conversation. You know, she talked about um, graduating college in three years and, and grinding through that, getting into the business world, uh, her success as a BDR, uh, getting into sales management early. And, you know, a lot of the conversation was spent really talking about, um, you know, empathy as a manager. So for the first time, sales managers or sales development managers, I think this is a great example of how to not only just manage to a number which we all have to do, but also to manage to the person and help them uh, as everyone's dealing with, you know, the shit that goes on with COVID. So I think it's a, a great example of that. Um, you know, we talk about books. We talk about a lot of other things. Um, St. Patrick's Day plans uh, for an Irish name like that. So um, without further ado, I will shut up. Let's get straight into this conversation with Mason McGovern. Let's go. All right, coming at us from the Pacific Northwest, Macy McGovern, Manager of Senior Account Development over at High Spot. Welcome to Millennial Sales. How are we doing? Doing well, Tom. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to have you on. Um, the first thing I got to ask before we even, let's just, we'll skip the pleasantries. Uh, I saw on your LinkedIn that you graduated from uh, University of Washington, I think, a four-year program in three or, or maybe less than three years, uh, which yeah, I think you said was was maybe good or maybe not so good judgment uh, looking back yeah. on it. So I'd love to hear you talk uh, about that piece and how you got that done. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. Um, looking back, yes, definitely regret everything I tried to cram into that period, but <laughs> it was super important when I thought about okay, doing school, doing work, having a couple internships, maybe doing some extracurriculars, but the responsibilities really, really pile up when you do that. And so thinking back, okay, yes, I wanted to get a lot done, make the most of it, like ran through courses, ended up almost getting kicked out of school because they said I had too many credits. So what are we going to do in order to make me stay longer. And honestly, I added a couple different things to my major that I could, added a minor when I could, tried my best to stay out there and just have fun for a little bit. But ultimately, I was drawn towards obviously the technology industry and moving into work. And that's where I ended up. You're just ready to get after it. You're ready to take <laughs> yeah. eight classes a semester and just, just get into the workforce. Definitely. But then looking back, you're like, okay, was it really that I was giving everything my all? And so I think it translates now into what I'm doing, even managing a team where it's, you're not your best for other people if you're not taking care of yourself first and foremost. And so thinking about all the three hour nights, barely getting by with certain projects or barely making it to certain shifts at work or getting different projects done. It's like, 
you're not doing anything justice if you're not giving it your all. And I think that's a good lesson I took away too. Yeah. And did you know at that point when you were steamrolling through your courses that you wanted to get into some capacity of sales or how did that happen? I was pretty torn at the time, actually. So I knew I wanted to be on a go-to-market team at like a startup or faster growing company. I had no idea that it would be sales. I was torn between sales and marketing for an instance. But then when you think about the differences between the two and what I really gravitated towards, it was being on the front lines with customers or potential customers. And then also the ability to just have a more lucrative career in general, I think is what draws a lot of people to sales too. So literally the more you do, the more you close or the more leads you produce, the more money you can make. And that was really enticing, I think being self-driven and a lot of other people in the same profession, I think, feel that way too. Yeah. The the tough part with sales in college is that there's probably not, I think they do might, they might have some sales courses now at UW. Did I see that? that there's something, yep. I don't know if it's a major, there's just classes. Um, but, you know, I didn't know anything really about B2B sales in college and most internships aren't really like, if you have a sales internship, you might be doing database work. So like, did you do anything in college, like an internship or a door-to-door job or anything like that? Or did you just get straight into it once you graduated? When I started out in college, actually it was freshman year, I got an internship with a local film agency company. And so basically Mm -hmm. they work for the major film studios, they're contracted. And I was doing promotional marketing for Warner Brothers and Lionsgate. So I was running events on like college campuses for these upcoming movies, handing out free swag, trying to convince bar owners to let an 18 year old run like some movie night for trivia um, at their place. And that was really fun just from the sense of almost having to sell that opportunity. But then I was also running press screenings for local critics. And what you do is you have them come in and channel into a room and they put me in the back of the audience and I have to write down who, where, what parts of the movie do they laugh at? What's the demographic of the audience? But it's really fun because you see the movies three weeks before they come out. But that really exposed me to like the agency side of marketing. And then when it came to a sales internship, it was actually at High Spot where I still am now, our senior year. And they were really introducing you to the different tools the teams are using. You're shadowing the SDRs at the company and really making sure, okay, like, is this the role I want to be in? And and can I see what we're doing long term? But then working on some other projects that were more market research based, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. That was really fun to get that perspective, but no, you're not actually like grinding with a pipeline, right? Trying to make it happen. Um, and so you do miss that part of being an intern. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, so before we get into any tips, I got to ask, because I respect the hell out of a good bookcase that's going oh. on behind <laughs> you. So what, um, I'm curious, anything on there that has impacted you, anything that you're reading now that's interesting, um, a book you tell your team to read, anything like that? Good question. I have a lot of memoirs that I've tried to get through recently and like Tiffany Haddish, Alicia Keys. Now I'm on Obama's, but it's really fun to see these people who you're like one day, of course you want to make it, but then what do you do at that point? And what does life look like? And they're really fun to read through. Um, I really recommend the book range. I thought it was pretty good. Mm. Um, I don't, have you heard of that one? Yeah. I read that one last year. That was good. Yeah, I really liked that one too. Just if you don't feel like you're a master in a specific topic, what's the value that you can bring to conversations and become like a master of all trades, which is really fun. Um, other than that. Those maybe, are the top ones. 
Yeah. I heard Alicia Keys on a podcast recently and she was promoting the book and she was telling her story a little bit on, on the come up and um, how successful she was at such a young age and almost like didn't even know she was kind of getting like ripped off by the record company, I think. And they were making 98% of the money. She's like, I had no idea we were making this much money for them. Like she didn't even know. And uh, she was probably 18 or 19 or something like that. So I, I'm a fan of her music. I'd like to check that one out. Yeah, of course. I definitely recommend it too. And it teaches you a little bit about the work ethic or the grind across different industries that we might not have exposure to because you see all the things that these celebs want you to see right from the beginning where it's their life, their upbringing, maybe how they made it, what that looks like, but then they never really tell you, okay, here's what I'm doing now. And here's what really keeps me going. Because just when you think like you've hit the ceiling and you can't move forward anymore, they keep doing new things every other day, which is motivating when you think about what else can I be doing outside of a regular nine to five or eight to five or whatever you work that will kind of bring happiness to your life, you know? Yeah, I, I find, you know, there's some sales books I like. Most of them I actually don't. I actually get more inspiration from reading about people that do other things. You know, if it's a musician, if it's an athlete, um, you know, if it's a comedian, whatever it might be, and trying to kind of draw parallels, that's, I find that to be a lot more interesting than most like sales methodology books. And like, I wouldn't even really put much like, put much of an effort on reading those types of books for the most part. Definitely. And I think I get, I'm the same way. And I think I get it from my dad too, because even through college, he was like, take a calligraphy class. You know, you want to do sales, you know, you want to go into the business world, like take a calligraphy class, take a weather class, go learn, learn something cool. But I kind of get that knowledge through books now where you're reading about an athlete's life or how they're overcoming obstacles that you never knew they ever had. And it's almost like getting a glimpse and having a conversation with someone else, but obviously one-sided because you're in a book. Yeah, totally. I love it. I love it. Um, I think they also make you, a be- I was talking about this earlier with someone that they also can make you a better person, right? Like if you're a better person, then you're going to sell more. You're going to perform better at your job, right? If you are reading books on psychology or, you know, for your relationships or your health or whatever it might be. Um, so for yeah. the people out there that might just be like trying to hunt through like spin selling, then never split the difference in this, then that, then challenger sale, like might want to mix in like a memoir every now and then, or mix in, uh, you know, something else that you find interesting. I think you'll probably learn just as much, if not more. Definitely. And I even caught myself too, when I was on this memoir binge, basically saying, when was the last time I picked up a fiction book and just read a good story? Because there was a part of me thinking, okay, there's nothing I could really get from these books because it's not real. It's not what's happening, but there's so many lessons and value packed into some of these stories also that authors are coming up with. So you can't hate on the fiction either. I, that's a good point. I, uh, I'm actually going through some of the Harry Potters for the first time in my life. And there we go. Dumbledore's dropping some knowledge on me that I, I could have used as a 10 year old. So, um, it could use now. So, um, without going too far down the fiction book <laughs> path, uh, the people are, are here to learn more maybe about sales. Um, and so, you have experience on the come up from, you know, being an SDR, uh, you've been at high spot for, I think, three plus years now, now running the team there. So I'd love to hear if you have any tips, whether it's for the SDRs out there in the world or the newly minted sales managers or SDR managers or whatever's top of mind for you. I'd love to hear uh, what you got. Yeah, the first thing I would say is empathy right now. 
I think that's going a lot during COVID and realizing what people are going through. But oftentimes when you're grinding away at the dials or sending emails or finding people on LinkedIn, you're forgetting that they also are human on the other side of it, also going through this global pandemic. And so just remembering that people are human and then trying to differentiate yourself from honestly, a lot of the automated stuff, I think is our biggest struggle right now when it comes to everyone getting spam calls. How are you going to prove that you're not another one of those? How are you going to stand apart in an email inbox full of automated newsletters, discount deals, whatever other companies are sending? Mm-hmm. I think that differentiation is huge and being able to show, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of you as a person to a person and have an honest conversation about what you're going through in your role, what your business is doing and seeing if we can help. And then the third one that I would say is self-awareness first and foremost also. And I don't mean that just in the sense of how you come off and like your perception at work, but also internally. So if you know you're approaching burnout, not trying to push yourself over the limit really, but really acknowledging, hey, I know where I'm at, what I need to accomplish, and then meeting yourself there. And I know other people have said this, it's not anything net new, but I think it's something that's also a good reminder to have for people, especially when it comes to reaching out and prospecting while maybe you're at home with four other roommates or stuck in your bedroom or whatever it is. Just know like you're not alone and there's a whole other world of people out there doing the same thing as you. And the more that we can bring people together through podcasts like this or LinkedIn networks, et cetera, I think just make people feel a lot more fulfilled in their role and realize like, hey, what I'm doing is worth it when the person on the other end finally says, yep, let's do it. Let's move forward. And finally, all the 100 hangups are worth it. Totally. And uh, and even calling out sometimes when you're talking to people that like talk about the elephant in the room that, you know, I'm in this, I'm in this apartment with, you know, my four other roommates or my family or I'm living at my parents' house or wherever, whatever your situation is in the pandemic, by kind of owning that and almost using that as a way to, you know, humanize yourself. I'd love to hear you. You talked about that as part of this part of the second tip. Uh, I'd love to hear like how specifically can I go out as an SDR and make it so I'm not when someone answers the phone or reads my email that they don't think it's a robot or that it's spam, yeah. and I can kind of break down that third wall. Definitely. I think the best thing that you can do is what you do before the call, which is research, like demonstrating, hey, I know something about your company or you as a person that only a human would go find the information. And then if you find their alma mater or maybe they have a fun hobby or they put a couple interests on their online profiles, being able to use that in an opening, whether an email or a call and genuinely probing curiosity at that will get your foot in the door so much better because you aren't immediately demanding something. You're trying to find a common connection or build ground off of some sort of rapport. And I think that goes a long way and sometimes can be overlooked when you're just trying to get out the massive quantity of outreach, whether that's dials, emails, you name it. It's just really making sure you're taking the time to say, yes, I want the quantity to be there, but the quality in terms of being able to personalize to that person. Yeah, and I think that's, I feel like it's getting somewhat understood on an email level. I mean, I still get spam um, all the time. I, I find it personally harder to do that on a cold call. And I find people are maybe more confused about that because you could spend the time crafting the email and then you could write out the first sentence the way that you want it that is specific to the person and get grabs their attention. Um, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on yeah. the spot. Like if, 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 if you were calling someone and like, 
you wanted to break through in that first sentence, maybe if we just say, all right, the normal call script is like, hey, Macy, this is Tom from, you know, Gong. Uh, how are you today? Or did I catch you at a bad time? Like, how do we take that out? Like, what, what would we say instead of that, that is personalized, but maybe not like, you know, on a level where you're overstepping boundaries? Great, great point. I think the first thing is acknowledging that the research you've done is public domain info. So it's yep. one thing if they put it on a LinkedIn post or on their profile. It's another if you literally went sleuthing through the internet to find this information. <laughs> you don't want to come yeah. off as a creepy stalker, right? Yeah. But it's getting on the phone and saying, hey, this is Macy. You can even acknowledge that it's a cold call at that point if you feel comfortable with that saying, hey, this is a cold call reaching out because XYZ, I understand you're doing XYZ and I'd love to have a conversation about it, whether that's a function they're leading, whether it's a hobby that they have, whether it's an alma mater, like, hey, saw you went to the University of Washington, also a fellow dog wanted to connect and say, hey. And regardless yep. of whether you're getting the outcome that you want, it's building that connection in your network. So someone still has a positive impression of you in the company, whether or not they end up buying. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a great balance between like, again, not being a robot, but not being too casual where you're like, hey, like, how was, you know, what, <laughs> how was your trip last weekend? It's like, <laughs> what? That, did you go on my, you know, kids like Facebook to see that or what? Exactly. how did you find that? So um, I think that's great. And um, so I think, you know, breaking through being a human, you know, we talked a little bit about the self-awareness and then to your point, the empathy that you need. Um, can you tell me a little bit about if, if we're talking about the managers out there, we talked about a little bit with like prospects and customers, but yeah. how important is it to, and this is kind of just like a, you know, a leading question, but how important is it right now to have empathy for the SDRs that you're managing who are likely all remote right now? Huge. I would say it's the number one thing on my radar, like even above performance management, to be honest, it's understanding like you as a person, are you okay? First and foremost, like what's your situation? How are you dealing with it? I know a lot of times, especially when you're training in any sales type role, you really start to learn to be emotionally level-headed. Like even on your worst days, you're not letting yourself be down in the dumps for too long. On your best days, you're not that egotistical a-hole in the office. But we're, when working from home, like those highs and lows hit a lot harder and it's taking a second to say, okay, do you realize when you're slipping into those same patterns and how can we either prevent it or help you work through it so that you can still be productive afterwards? But I think the biggest thing is being honest with yourself and really as a manager, coaching your reps to say it's okay to not be okay. Some people are afraid to confide in their manager sometimes, but mm. I think a really key skill, at least for me in managing people is saying, where are you at? How can I help you? And how can we be productive knowing where you're at today? And I think that's a really useful skill because again, it demonstrates you're putting the people first and everyone knows what's expected of them, what their quotas are, what their targets are. So reminding them of that constantly isn't going to help, but then saying, okay, how does everyone have the same goal or same quota, but have completely different learning styles to get there? And then as a manager, that's my job to go work with them and figure out, hey, how can we get everyone to their goals that they have? Understanding that people might just be at completely different places. Yeah, I think that's so huge. I mean, I think that's big no matter what, but it's so hard to manage people remote because you, you're not in the room together. You can't see the body language. You're only talking maybe 
you know, once a day or however often that, that might be. So you don't get to see them all day long. Um, and so being able to have an understanding of where people are, what their situation is and, and putting that forth, I think that's great. And I mean, definitely encourage for anyone who's leading any sort of people to, um, to make that a top priority. For sure. There's one point where I have a rep in Hawaii right now, one in Florida. They're both typically in Seattle. <laughs> and there's also when one rep has internet go out for the day, another one just got chewed out by a prospect, but another one's having the best day of your life. And being able to not only handle in all of that as a manager, but then make sure you're okay and always your best to be there for your team. Um, it's definitely a craft that I think is honed over time and honestly still continuing to get better at every day. But if there's anything I say to any manager out there, it's just put your people first, regardless of the role, like wherever they're at, we want what's best for them personally and professionally. So making sure that people are okay first, I think should be our first priority. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, so the last question that isn't very serious is this is, we're going to be putting this out in about March time. You got the very Irish name. I have to know what is happening for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Is there uh, bangers and mash being made or there is there Guinness do you just ignore the holiday like what's what's the move up there I had originally planned to be in Ireland about this Ooh. time last year I was planning a trip to Ireland and Scotland for March um, very wow. classic American I know before anyone comes for me in Europe right now <laughs> just know <laughs> yes I know it's classic but I don't know this year depending on what's going on in the area obviously with COVID and the pandemic it might just be getting a flat of Guinness at Costco and kicking the feet up and watching a movie or whatnot, but hey, I'll take that too at this point. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even remember till right now, but we were, my family was planning to go to Ireland later this year uh, when we were talking about it like a year ago, because it's, it's uh, my mom's birthday. It's a big milestone birthday. I'll spare her by saving what, what number that is, but um, that is probably not going to be happening either. So um, maybe another time. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, 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 Rob. Yeah, yeah, it should be. Um, well, Macy, I appreciate you coming on. Um, for anyone that wants to connect with you, whether they're SDRs, whether they're new SDR leaders, whether it's anyone else that, um, you know, wants to learn from you, wants to chat, um, you know, wants to go through the best movies for St. Patrick's Day, whatever it might be, what's the best place yeah. for, uh, for people to contact you? Right now, I would say LinkedIn is the best place to reach me. Feel free to connect with me at Macy McGovern. I'm taking a bit of a social media break personally right now. So once I get back on there, I'll be back active on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. But LinkedIn's the best way right now. Honestly, I should follow suit. There was one month last year that I uh, took social media off as like a challenge. And um, I quit the addiction and then I got right back on the horse. So I might need to do that again. At some point. It's tough. The first three <laughs> days you find yourself trying to go back into those apps only to realize either they're not there. Or you're just breaking your own rules. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's, I know it's good for me. It's like one of those things like, yeah, I should do that, but man, it's hard. So yep. kudos to you. Uh, but everyone, if you do, uh, if you dug what Macy had to say on this uh, podcast, definitely hit her up on LinkedIn. Uh, shoot her a message, add her, uh, follow what she has to say. And um, if you need sales enablement tools, hit up HighSpot, right? Yep. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mace. All right, everybody. Happy March. Thank you for listening to that episode while you're walking the dog or doing your laundry or prospecting, whatever you're up to. Uh, please head over to Apple, leave a review, five-star review. Helps me grow the show. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, Tom Malamo. 
uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tom McTahoe. Peace.